coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show. How do I support a friend who cheated on her husband without enabling her decision? It's not by your hand, but in your lap. You had a Mm -hmm. really close friend who did a thing and then it's dragged you along through the deception and the dishonesty. And if Mm -hmm. I'm you, I'm not going along on that ride. What's up? What's up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show, the greatest show that has ever existed on the internet and on the podcast when it comes to mental health and marriage and relationships and whatever else is going on in your life. If you want to be on the show, give me a buzz at 1-844-693-3291. It's 1-844-693-3291. And we'd love to have you on the show. Um... And if you don't have access to a phone, go to johndeloney.com slash ask. And if you don't have access to a phone, you should probably get one because it's the 21st century. Okay, so Kelly's out today. And Jenna, you're running the show. Yes. How's it feel? I feel a lot of power. <laughs> do you? I do. Can we just say, just starting the show out, you've been so much kinder in my headphones than Kelly generally is. and So that's fantastic, I think. Wow, thank you for that. We'll see if that changes. I'm a... Fairly certain that it will. Let's go to Samantha out in Philadelphia. Samantha, what are you doing? I'm just waiting to talk to you, John. Awesome. So (laughs) being a caller, is it weird Mm -hmm. listening to all the shenanigans behind the scenes? Or is it just exactly what you thought it was going to be? It's what I thought it was going to be, but it's still (laughs) a little weird. (laughs) Very cool. Uh, Okay, so what's up? What's going on? Um, so I'll go straight to my question. Um, my question is how do I support a friend who cheated on her husband without enabling her decision? Tell me more. Okay. So it's a really close friend. Like we grew up together, super close and she cheated on her husband. And I guess a little more that I found out since I put the call question in is that she hasn't told the husband the extent to her cheating. So there's that. I know you always say secrets destroy things, but it's not my secret to tell. So I'm struggling with A, how to support her and B, like we hang out with them all the time. So it's weird. Yes. Secrets destroy. And so does sleeping with your husband's friend, right? So both of those things, both of those things hurt marriage. Oh man. Okay. So how did, how did she, how did she tell you? How did this come to you? Um, so she made like a cryptic Facebook post a little while back in December at the end of the new, end of the year. And I like touched base there to see like how things were going. It kind of just like came out as word vomit. And so it was like this hour long phone call. And then after we get through it all, like her husband found the text messages, thought it was just emotional. And then as we're ending the phone call, she goes, Oh, I actually slept with him too. And I was like, Oh, so it was just like, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> So what has happened since then? How did you find out that she hasn't told her husband yet? Yeah. So she, at the end of that phone call, when she told me, um, she basically said, like, I haven't told him. I don't think I'm going to unless it, like, comes up in marriage counseling, which he doesn't want to go to. He's just kind of rug sweeping the situation, like, wants to move past it. So it's, like, obviously never going to come up if he never goes to therapy and she never says anything. Mm. So when you say enabling, what do you mean by that? Um, so I want to support her. Obviously, like she's my best friend, but also like that she says these like weird things to kind of justify her cheating. And obviously I'm a big time listener. So like 
no one else makes you make the choices you decide, like you decide that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to like get that through her head that no matter what her husband did to her, like it's not his fault. So I've had moments in my life when I have close friends and they do something. They um, violate my trust in a way that makes me wonder if you can do that in this situation, what would you do with my trust? What would you do with our relationship? And the moment, and this is, this is just me. The moment mm -hmm. I go there, often there's a turning point in that relationship from that point forward. It's different mm -hmm. now. And yeah. just personally speaking, um, I think I've told this on, on the show before. And if I haven't, if I have, um, I guess it's worth repeating. Uh, one time I was sitting down with a group of guys and I had moved to a new city and my wife had, was finishing up her dissertation research. So she was going to move six months later. And so we were just going to hang out on the weekends. Um, it was about three hours away from each other. So after about two months, I was hanging out with this group of guys and they had been really kind and welcomed me in. And several of them, I'm still super close to, to this day. And we were all making jokes and just being stupid guys sitting around a table. Um, and, I said, they said, hey, do you need anything? And I was like, well, man, I'm super lonely. If anyone knows of any girlfriends here in this new city, totally, <laughs> totally kidding. And yeah. one guy, his name's Kevin, one of my closest friends said, um, hey, you don't know us that well. And so just so we're super clear, if you ever cheat on your wife, you better hope to God she finds you before we do. And mm -hmm. it was a very like, this is who we are and this is how we're going to roll. Yeah. Now, I know some of the people in that group have, have, they've walked through infidelity with each other. They've walked through all kinds of crazy stuff together. The difference is, and, and again, everyone's got their own opinions on this. This is just me. I have worked in student conduct long enough. I've sat with people who have done stupid things and had bad moments and had bad weekends. I've had bad months, right? Where they just did things that were so out of character. And so I often tell people, I don't think character is the initial incident. I think character mm -hmm. is who you are after you do something yeah. destructive, right? And so she's, she's, she hooks up with somebody, okay? That happens. In my world with mm -hmm. dealing with people who are married, that happens, it happens, it happens. You're getting to see in real time who she is on the back end of doing something that could potentially be devastating to somebody that she says she loves. And yeah. that is, I'm going to lie, I'm going to hide it. I'm going to bury it and I'm going to hand it to my friend to carry and bring her, drag her through all of this. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? And so yeah. for me, the enabling is, is not a, about the marriage thing. You can't, you can no more do anything about that unless you just felt so compelled. I've got a few friends that their wives are, are, are basically equally as close. And mm -hmm. I would say, Hey, you, we're going to have this conversation and I'll do it with you, but I'm not holding the secret for you. But that's just very, very few. The rest of them, man, I mean, that's, but I'm not going to hang out with you. I'm going to opt out of yeah. this relationship, right? Not because you did a thing one time, not because you did a thing over a period of a few months or whatever. It's because you showed your true colors, your true character on the back end of this mistake. And you've continued to blame other people. You've continued to pass the buck. You've continued to lie about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know that, that hits hard, but it's true. And so um, the, you've heard me say this, it's not by your hand, but in your lap. You had a mm -hmm. really close friend who did a thing and then it's dragged you along through the deception and the dishonesty. 
And if Mm -hmm. I'm you, I'm not going along on that ride. Yeah. And I think that it can be as easy as I'm just not going to return your texts anymore or calls anymore. Or it can be as direct and honest as taking her to coffee and saying, hey, I, I, I can't be a part of this because I feel like I'm getting dragged through it because I know something when we sit down as a fam, as a couple, you know, we're all sitting down. I know something he doesn't know. And I can't, I can't be a part of that. I can't. And yeah. she's going to call you every name in the book and blah, blah, blah. That's cool. But as far as I'm concerned, she didn't get a vote anymore. Yeah. No, that's kind of how I've been feeling. Like I think about it, you know, and my husband, and I talk about it and we're just like, it's just awkward. Like we just oh, hang yeah. out with them and it's just awkward. <laughs> it's super awkward. <laughs> yeah. for, for real, it's awkward. So, um, mm-hmm. what is that? You know her and you know how mm-hmm. she would hear things. Um, there's people in my life who I love that we've been places and I'd say, Hey, I, give me your keys. I'm driving home. And mm-hmm. I know I'm going to have to go ask this guy for his keys. It's going to be a fight. No, bro. I'm mm-hmm. fine. I, he's not driving. You're not driving home. And then there's others that are more than happy to hand the keys over. How is this conversation going to go? Um, it'll be a fight. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think though she needs to hear it because everyone else is just kind of like either a doesn't know the full information. So they're like, he's being irrational about everything like her husband or like be like just coddling her and just being like, it's okay. Get through it. So I don't think anyone has really like had the, I don't want to say courage. Cause I don't think it's a courageous thing. It's just like, been truthful and straightforward with her. Mm. I think the truth yeah. and straightforwardness has to be about you though. Mm, yeah. Otherwise it becomes you throwing grenades at somebody. And I just, I'm not participating in that very often. Occasionally I'll say, Hey, you're, you've heard the show enough. Like occasionally very, and if you yeah. go back and listen to it carefully, it's rare that I say, this is a terrible person. Usually yeah, no, I'm an OG listener, so, okay, so <laughs> I've never really heard you say that. It's rare that I, I find that like you're an awful human and you don't deserve to be around. Usually it's people have, because of particular pathways, they've ended up in a place that nobody wants to be in and they don't know how to get out. Mm-hmm. And that happens. Um, this one's a mess. I, I, yeah. I just, <laughs> I, I, I would sit down and say, I can't participate in this anymore. This makes it about you. I'm uncomfortable sitting down at a table with your husband and you and acting like everything's normal because it's not. Everything's in ashes mm-hmm. and y'all are just playing. And so I don't want to participate in this and not make it about you cheated and you're this and you're a liar. I wouldn't yeah. go that route. Make it about you and then walk away. Yeah, short, sweet, and to the point. Which is so hard, I know. I know that's yeah. so hard. Ugh. But it's not, and honestly, knowing her personality, that's the best way forward in right. all aspects. Right. However it turns out. One of my core, core, um, core beliefs is, or core actions, I guess, is I only speak to be heard. I don't speak to just to, so I can have said something, right? I get a mm-hmm. lot of heat on the internets for not responding to every thing that goes on in the world. And um, if things are super volatile and political and nonsensical, I'm not going to be heard. They just, people just want to find yeah. out what team I'm on. And so for this, I'm going to speak in a way that can be heard. And that is, I'm choosing to not be around you right now. And mm-hmm. I think it's also fair to say, I love you and I will walk through hell with you if you're willing to walk through hell. But if you're willing, if you're just going to try to avoid the whole thing, I'm not, I'm not taking that route with you. I really like that. Is that cool? 
Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. Sorry that happened to you, man. That's such a bummer, man. We want our friends, especially our ride or dies, to have our same values and not do stupid things. And when they do do stupid things, to come to us and say, hey, walk with me through the reconciliation through this stupid thing or walk with me through the next chapter and phase of my life. Um, and I've got close friends that I love and I'll say, what you're doing is really stupid. You can come stay at my house and uh, your wife can come stay at my house or your ex can come stay at my house. You're welcome here. But I'm telling you, I think what you're doing is dumb because you asked me. Um, and so I'm really honest with folks, but ugh, sorry. I wish it was a great outcome here. I don't see it being super great. It may be in the long term, though. It may be that your words and your honesty and your directness and your friendship and the way you love your friend and hold her accountable in this wacky, accountable, free world we live in now might be the, somebody ripping back the curtains and the shades and letting the light in that she really needs. Thank you for loving her. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. One of the most common questions I get on my show is how do you get something off your chest? right? Like a deep secret that you've never told anyone, or maybe it's something that happened to you, or maybe it's something you've done that you're ashamed about or worried because you know, bringing this to light is going to cause disruption across your life. All of us, every single one of us have things both big and small that we need to get off our chest from time to time. And I say this all the time, secrets will kill you, but it's often so hard to know where to start. If you need to get something off your chest and you don't have a safe person to talk to, you may want to try therapy. Therapy is a safe, effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say scary and hard things out loud, and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. I have personally been blessed to have a great therapist who I can talk to and who helps me get those heavy things off my chest. And if you are thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, it's convenient, it's super flexible, and it's suited to fit your schedule, whatever your schedule happens to be. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra money. Listen, it's time to get those secrets off your chest. Start with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Deloney. All right, we're back. Let's do uh, a lightning round. Cue the uh, pervy hip-thrusting music. You don't like that? No. It, that's the music that Kelly gets dressed to every morning, and it's just Her uncomfortable. Her and it's the know? whole thing. Tattoos. She tells us. Sometimes she calls when she's brushing her teeth, and that music is just blaring in the background. She wants to talk about a show segment or something. It's super awkward. So on brand for her. Uh, all right, lightning round. Let's do it. Yes. All right. We're doing lightning round, anxiety and depression. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> Is that what you do? <laughs> I just imagine you telling your husband, like, we are going to clean the house and it's going to be so fun. Yes. We're going to have the, we're going to smile while we do it. We are going to clean the roof off. It's going to be great. So fun. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Go for it. First question You often hear of people being diagnosed with anxiety and depression together. Why are the two so often connected? So when something's diagnosed together, it's called comorbid. Um, I guess that means you die again. Maybe that's what that means. Not really, not comorbid. Um, but it, it, anxiety and depression are on the same trend line. And so you and I may have different genetics and different life experiences that lead us to this moment and a bear runs in that door and your body shuts off and it's going to stay shut off for a while. And my body's going to get up and spin up and get ready to rock and roll. 
often the difference between the two is not the particular stressor. It's just how our bodies are responding. And in, in some brain scans studies, it shows that the very similar brain mechanisms are, are driving both of those. All I have to say is um, they're on the same trend line. And if you're anxious long enough, long enough, long enough, your body will shut the system down. And, um, and sometimes it works vice versa. All I have to say is that's why. Perfect. Is that helpful? Yeah, that I think so. I was going to say thank you for bringing up my deathly fear of bears. So You had that? Oh, yeah. I've had nightmares. They just chase me. I'm not going to see cocaine bear. Let me just say that. <laughs> All right. Next, next question. We're moving on. What is the difference between a panic attack and an anxiety attack? Uh, um... Not a lot. Um, panic, I, I think that's, again, I think that's kind of internet splitting. Panic attacks usually don't have a trigger. They just show up. So we'll be walking on the street and all of a sudden I'll get real short of breath. My heart will beat a thousand miles an hour and I'll double over. And I don't, I, my brain starts, I start spinning with all these negative thoughts. Anxiety attack is usually, I got a test, I got a test, I got a test, I got a test. And it slowly wears you down. The reason I don't care so much about which one it is, is, the physiological mechanisms are usually pretty similar. Your body, I mean, your heart starts beating really fast. Your body is ready to go to war, right? Or it's ready to get the heck out of there. And so, um, yeah, it's one of those things that if you're sitting there and someone you love can't breathe and they're hyperventilating and they're having all these catastrophic thoughts and you're trying to figure out, well, is this a panic attack or an anxiety attack? Not helpful, not helpful. Right. Um, okay. So are there any symptoms of an anxiety attack that I can pinpoint before it happens? Ooh, anxiety attack. I mean, it's using the internet literature, which is, <laughs> that was, that wasn't very good. There's not, never mind. Um, my science friends will just roll their eyes at what I just said. And, um, so say your question again. I'm sorry. I got lost. I don't have a lot of friends. Are there any symptoms of an anxiety attack I can pinpoint before it happens? Uh, I mean, if you if if you start ruminating pretty hard and you start spitting yourself up and the thoughts you are having begin, to, your heart starts racing on you, and um, you start having real shallow breath, and you will feel like I need to go for a walk, but I can't go for a walk. That's you feel it starting to come on. Um, and again, that's so human. That's so person specific, right? So it's I, I don't want someone being like. I think I'm having a panic attack. I think I'm having an anxiety attack because you can sure talk your way into one, right? Um, I think getting upstream, as soon as you start having those ruminating thoughts, that's when you can build in some, I'm going to stop this conversation right now. Or I, I've talked about on the show, I'll be walking through my living room and I'll just be like, no, stop. Or I'll be in the shower and my wife will hear me yell out, no. And that's just me. I'm stopping a conversation, a fight that I'm having because I don't want to end up down, down river that way. Right. Um, does alcohol or caffeine cause anxiety? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I tend to think caffeine mimics the symptomology of anxiety. I mean, symptoms of anxiety. And so, um, if I have way, way, way too much caffeine, I start, my brain starts spinning a little faster. My heart rate is beaten. My, I'm kind of clenched up a little bit. And then my body's like, oh, we're, we're supposed to be anxious right now. And, and it will, it will follow suit. Um, alcohol has some GABA effects. I don't get all that stuff, so, but yes, there's a reason why, um, I think Anna Limke says it talks about it best about the teeter totter. And if you depress neurochemicals on one side, your brain will respond by smashing the other side of the teeter totter. And so 
if you have a depressant effect and you shut some of the system down, it will come back in full force on the other side. So yes, it can. There's a reason why you wake up in the morning after you've had too many drinks the night before and you have that anxiousy feeling. What did I say? What did I say? Did they think I was crazy? What did I, it, what did, who did I kiss? Like all that. I mean, that's a natural, I don't want to get all the, the neuroscience of it, but yes. Awesome. Next and I also question. think this, I also think in the long term, alcohol has, uh, it messes with your sleep. And it screws up your REM sleep. And over time, a body deprived of REM sleep will begin to try to get your attention and let you know things are not well at home and it'll start rattling. So I think there's a long-term effect there too. Yeah. Um, what are the best things to do when having an anxiety attack? Drink. Just kidding. Don't do that. Um, the, the, so this happened in a, in a parking lot. I pulled up and there was a bunch of people leaning into a car. And I was like, what is happening over there? And um, I walked over and realized the, someone yelled, someone's having an anxiety attack, someone's having a panic attack. And so I cleared everybody out of the way. And then I reached in and said, will you take my hand? And she did. And I said, would you be willing to walk with me? So she got out of the car and I literally put her hand on my chest and we went for a walk. And so I held skin to skin contact here. I let her feel my heartbeat literally. And we walked around the parking lot and I had her look at things like tell me what's there. She's like, there's grass. I'm like, yes, where's the leaves? And she's like, there's one, there's one. And all I was trying to do was bring her body into the right now. And um, so skin to skin contact, heartbeat, like um, just getting your body from some future terror to you're here right now and you're okay. And it, it's pretty quick. Yeah, I've I've kind of dealt with that before where I find it helpful to do like the five, four, three, two, one method where mm -hmm. it's like five things that I can see just to kind of like get my mind off. Five, four things that I can hear, three things I can feel, two things I can smell. I've never heard that. One That's thing good. I can taste. Huh. Kind of like to get your senses yep. to like start focusing on something else. And by the end of it, my breathing's calmed down, mm. my heart rate's down, and I just find it so helpful. I like that. Um, back when I was doing death notifications or I, I would show up to somebody's house and there was madness um we used to just go for walks and it was be, not be strange for me to be holding hands with a 55 year old man walking down the street and all we're doing is just counting cracks in the sidewalk like let's count one two and let's count the trees and so we're just coming back to humanity here because what he just saw um his life will never be the same yeah right yeah um next question you say anxiety is like a smoke alarm can you explain that uh yeah in our culture, we've turned anxiety into a disease or into a genetic disorder or into some sort of illness that um, comes upon you, like the flu or like COVID. It's like you, something you catch. And so when people say the words like, I have anxiety, it's either talking like it's an identity, like this is who I am now. I'm just an anxious person who experiences the world in this way. Or I have a thing that I caught. I've got a thing now. And um, I reject both of those across. I mean, I reject all that across the board. All anxiety is, is your body trying to get your attention. It's just trying to let you know, generally speaking, you haven't been taking care of your body. Um, like me, too much caffeine, 300, 400 milligrams of caffeine a day. My body's going to start rattling after a while. Um, and then I'm not sleeping and then so on and so forth. I'm disconnected. Your body has found itself without a tribe. And by the way, you can be, have great workmates. You can be married and happy. And you can be profoundly and deeply alone. And so it is um, when your body detects you don't have a tribe, you are all alone. Or if you're not safe, if you're in an abusive relationship, you don't have autonomy, you don't get to make decisions for your life, the bank does, your, your boss does, things like that. 
Awesome. Okay, next so, question. So, hold on. Here's why that's important. Mm-hmm. If you feel anxious, if you rush to stop the anxiousness, man, that, that's like getting shot and rushing to just cover up the hole in your body instead of trying to figure out where's bullets coming from, right? Who's shooting and why? And so when you feel anxious, man, what a gift to your body to step back at least an inch and just say, what are you trying to protect me from? If we all just asked ourselves that question, man, what a, we'd have a radically different world. Right. Yeah. Um, my husband's anxiety can lead to him lashing out at me. How can I help him at these times? I, I reject that sentiment. Um, nobody's anything makes them do anything or very, very rarely. Your husband is choosing to respond to those alarms by swinging. And so what you can do is you can't make him do or do anything. You can control you. And so if your husband gets anxious and then lashes out, you can say, I will not be in a home where I feel unsafe. So when you get anxious and you lash out, I am taking that behavior as, as a language. And the language you are giving me is, I don't want you here anymore. And so I will leave. I will not be in a place where someone's going to talk to me that way, treat me like that way. And if you have anxiety and your body's impulse is to lash out, right? Fight or flight. I'm going to fight. Um, when I get anxious, my body's response is to run. And that's not helpful when I have two little kids and I have a wife at home and I've got work and all that kind of stuff. So when you find that your body has an impulse when it gets anxious, it's my responsibility to deal with the anxiety, to deal with that impulse, and to continue to treat people with dignity and respect, including myself. That's on me. I have to do the things that I know I need to do to get well. Sometimes let's go sit with a counselor. Sometimes let's go talk to a medical doctor, psychiatrist, whatever that looks like. That's my responsibility, not um, somebody else's. Yep, that's good. Um, is there such a thing as situational anxiety? Like before a job interview, going out of town, some have flying. I mean, it, we're getting into semantics here. I just call that stress. And yes, there's tons of stress. And stress is really good for you. This morning, um, I was lifting weights. And if I had lifted weights with no weight on the bar, that would not have done my body any good. So I put weight on the bar so it would stress my body out so that my body can respond to that stress in an appropriate way. Similarly, like if you got a job interview, I want your body needs to have some stress. I mean, it's a big deal. Don't screw this up. You're not going to get that job, right? You need to prepare. You need to shower. Um, I don't know. Bathe. I was going to say bathe. Bathe and shower. Whatever you need to do. Um, get some, sit down with some people and go over your interview answers, whatever. So stress can push us to do good things. Um, so that, that's a situational anxiety. I mean, now I, I mean, I just call that stress. Awesome. Okay. Last question. Is anxiety ever beneficial? Yes. Um, good grief almighty. Who wrote the, what's, there's a book called good anxiety. Um, who wrote that? I can't believe I just lost Wendy her name. Yeah. Suzuki. Wendy Suzuki. Yeah. Good grief. I can't believe I lost her name. Um, she, I mean, she really maintains what I just said, that when your alarm systems are going off, they're actually, that's a good thing. I would say my uh, smoke alarm in my house is a good thing. She would say, when your body's trying to get your attention and you go exercise, then it's done good for you. And so you can reframe it. Um, I also, I mean, anxiety is such a catch-all word nowadays for anything that makes us go, <laughs> we all say, I got anxiety. Not really. When I had clinical anxiety, like, there was nothing good about it. It burned a hole through me. Um, and it burned a hole through my relationships and I did not respond well to it. 
So actually it didn't burn a hole through my relationships. I did. And so there wasn't a lot good with it. Um, in retrospect, as I began to get well, I began to see that I'd created a world that wasn't inhabitable for me or for my family. And so I guess it was good in that way, but man, I wish my body had done it another way. But to be honest, it, it probably was give, trying to get my attention for a long time. And, um, I just hadn't been able to do it. So it finally started shutting the thing down. Well, that was I don't it. know. I, I mean, you've experienced it. Have you ever felt it to be good? Um, you know, I don't, I don't, maybe in some situations where I'm like, oh my gosh, if I wasn't feeling anxiety, I'm like, maybe there's something wrong with me that I'm not feeling anxious about this thing. Um, like you said, like for job interviews, like the stress, mm -hmm. like before of like, if I'm not feeling anxious and like excited and ready, there's something wrong with me. Gotcha. So I think that's the only way that I could see it as beneficial in my mind, but. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, here's what I don't like about the internet culture we're in now is there's going to be someone who's got anxiety who's doubled over with it and I don't want their husband being like, it's good for you. And that's terrible. And on the other side, I don't want somebody who's stressed out about something who thinks they've, and this is the world we got where people have just regular stress. Life is stressful. Life's hard. And everyone runs to do away with the discomfort and they label it some sort of diagnostic and, or they, now we've got, what was it one we had the other day that was uh high functioning anxiety. And we just making up crap now. Like, like we, when you start, start labeling everything with a diagnostic and to try to do away with any sort of discomfort, man, you do with way with any sort of growth, any way of getting from point A to point B. And we just want to stay and atrophy, and I, I, I don't know. So I, I don't like the question just because it's, I don't, it can be weaponized either way. And I think stress is usually good until there's too much of it or it becomes a way of life. And I think anxiety can get your attention in a positive way and it can also bury. So um, I don't wanna say it's good or bad. I think it just is. I think how we respond to it is really what determines whether it's good or bad. Awesome, well, I had fun. That's over. <laughs> You're so ridiculous. Well, I had a great time. Yep. Great time. All right, cool. That was it. That was, uh, are you going to take us out with this, some more jamming tunes? I mean, I can. I think the world needs some more of this. So. All right, we'll be right back. All right, we are back. Uh, no disturbing music. Let's go to Angela in Dayton, Ohio. What's up, Angela? Hey, what's taken? Nothing. Um, my hips were <laughs> after those tunes, but then they, they've slowed down. What's up? And these hips don't lie, by the way, Angela. What's up? They never do. They, ne um, <laughs> they never do. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm in a situation with my family where they have an expectation that um, I need to help pay for bills for my parents. And um, I am not in a financial situation where I can help with things like that the way my brother can. Okay. And... Um, they, when when they don't get the answer that they want, um, they use a lot of uh, bullying tactics on me. Why do you let them do that? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I I took a break from my family about fifteen twenty minute twenty year break from them, and it was the most peace I had in my life and the highest success I've had in my life. Why'd you come and, back into this um, mess? Yeah. So 
Um, my grandfather was on his deathbed, and um, my dad was having a lot of health issues. And they were they were kind of giving off a vibe like they they've had a change of heart, and um, things were better for um, you know like six months, and we slid right back down Crap Mountain all over again. So what has kept you from going back to the thing that kept you safe and sane the last time? I think um, back then I had my son and all of this was happening in front of my son. And for some reason, I've been slow to identify it because I don't have a child reacting to the things that they are saying to me. Can I give you another alternative? Yes, please. You care about your child's wellness and um, safety more than yours. Why is that? Why aren't you worthy of of being well? I don't know. I think just because I grew up with it that... um, There you go. Yeah. And the system pulls us back in like a vacuum cleaner. And then we find ourselves cycled out and we can breathe again and we create our own world. And then somebody gets sick and we head back in. Um, You may be like me. I, I remember... Um, at one of my jobs, I mean, I was responsible for tens and tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars in expense and revenue accounts. Hundreds of people reported up through me. It was a big job. And then I would go home for the holidays and I instantly was middle child again. And I was about 14. It's just instant. You know what I mean? It just happens Uh, instantly. Yeah. I can relate to that because I'll go out into the world and be a happy functioning person at my job and around my friends. And then once I get around my family, I turn into um, an eight-year-old child that's been verbally attacked and kicked around that's right. all over again. And when you show up, their bodies suddenly have an outlet that they don't normally have, which is to go back mm-hmm. to the way things were. And so... Right. Um, The hard part is at some point you either have to say, I'm going to give up the fantasy that this all works out in the end because it doesn't. I don't say it doesn't. It probably does not. I think that's where I'm at right now. And if you're you're there, there's just going to be some deep grief. You're going to have to spend some time just being really sad and being angry because mom and dads aren't supposed to treat you like that. Brothers and sisters aren't supposed to treat you like that. Right. And if we're honest, you've probably contributed some and they would be like, well, if she had just got her crap together, then all it just turns into this weird dance. It's a sick dance. And when you're dancing with somebody and they're leading you too aggressively or they keep stepping on your toes, you can try to coach them while the music's playing. Sometimes that works. Well, um, I was born with um, autoimmune disorders and, um, Muscular issues that um, has I, I was just I was just always treated like a burden of the family and okay. I was I don't think I was ever going to be in a position um, with my family to to have the same values that my brother does. Okay. Then at some point you've got to make a decision: Am I going to be in this or am I going to be out of this? And you might say I can't contribute all the money you are expecting me, that you're billing me for, basically. Um, but I do want to honor my parents and so I can contribute this and I will con- continue to contribute this in this way. And, and I, I, I tried that. 
Well, I mean, it's it's not a matter of try. He doesn't get a vote. Mm-hmm. Right. He didn't get a vote. And so if he won't take this, or I demand this, or I demand that, oh, whatever. <laughs> like, I'm not right. going to take your call. How about that? Right. And that's, that's actually what I did. Good. Good for you for protecting yourself. Here's the thing. They don't, doesn't sound like they have, like, usually this gets messy when there's a huge inheritance or something and somebody's trying to preserve, they, they're going to put up with 10 years of being bullied and kicked around by an idiot brother or sister in order to, to be a part of the inheritance. It doesn't sound like you have anything to worry about there. No. Yeah. So at some point you write the letter that you're probably not going to send. That is, I'm sorry for the, for the whole course of my life. You'll have, I've been a burden to you. I'm not a burden right. to me, and I'm not a burden to those that love and care about me. Right. And so, I'm out. I wish you all the best. And you will probably, your guts will feel like they fall out. Yeah. Because the reality of that hitting is going to, going to be like a ton of bricks. Fair? Yeah. I I tried um, holding strong for three years in this situation, and it's um, it just feels like I'm a shell of who I used to be when I'm around them. Yeah. The world needs Angela to step up and be fully Angela. Right. Will you commit to doing that? Absolutely. Okay. And I don't say that lightly because I know what that costs you. Right. It's going to cost you holidays by yourself. It's going to cost you um, updates. It's going to cost you all kinds of stuff. But it's right. Gonna, it might give you back your soul. Right. Well, I have two granddaughters. And I feel like my energy would be better spent um, redirecting more of it towards them than... Um, my sibling and my parents. And I think you're onto something and, and I'll say it this way. We often, um, we often spend so much energy going back and trying to edit things that have happened in our lives. And if you think of that, like a sentence, we try to go back and edit it, edit those sentences as though we can change them. And we can't. The only thing we can do with that pen and that paper is write something new. And if you think about it that way, You've tried for years to convince your parents to act your way, to behave your way, to lean into these ways so that your parents won't see you as a burden. And they have chosen not to. You've tried hard to lean in and to do whatever your brother's asking you to do. And he continues to up the ante on you. He sends you a bill every month for what you owe or with because he decided the care and then he decided the, the payments. And that's just you going back and trying to edit and trying to edit and try to edit. At some point, you can look at that sentence and say, that sentence has been written with a period at the end of it. And then you look at those beautiful old granddaughters and you think to yourself, I can be a part of writing something new. I can teach them that they are never going to be a burden. They're always going to be loved, no matter what knucklehead nonsense they get involved in. They're always going to have a grandma to come home to for as long as I'm around. Now we're writing something completely new. And right now the world doesn't need any more editing of the past. We need people to sit down, come together, write new things into the future. And again, it's going to hurt. 
can be a season of grief and a season of sadness because the fantasy is going to finally turn into the vapor that it always was. But then you're going to be free to look at those two little girls and say, I'm all in. Let's try something new. Thank you for your heart, Andrew. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, we're back as we wrap up today's show. Um, Hey, truth be told, Kelly's actually out getting, I don't know why she booked a tattoo for this early in the morning, but she's getting a giant um, One Republic tattoo. It's so obnoxious in old English, right across the middle of her back. That's just what she does. Um, A favorite song off that record is off the One Republic, out of the One Republic catalog is Secrets. And it goes like this. I need another story, something to get off my chest. My life gets kind of boring. Need something that I can confess till all my sleeves are stained red from all the truth I've said. Come by it honestly, I swear. Thought you saw me wink. Nope, I've been on the brink. So I'm going to give all my secrets away this time. Don't give all of them away. Or maybe to a therapist, maybe. We'll see you soon. Love you. Love you. 